We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. The Timeline is a Blue Wire podcast. of Phoenix Suns podcast. My name is Mike. I'm here with Sam. Sam, how you doing? You know what, Mike? I'm doing okay. I can't say that everything is sunshine and rainbows right now, even the day after, but uh, last night after the game, I just felt numb. Just totally numb. And uh, definitely feeling better than that about 12, 16 hours later. So how yeah. about you? I mean, I'm not going to lie. This is pretty shitty. And it hurts, I think... <laughs> It hurts, I think, for specific reasons. I mean, I like I followed Chris Paul's career for his entire career. You understand exactly who Chris Paul is. Uh, there has been a history of injuries with Chris Paul in the playoffs that has hurt his team's chances in the playoffs. And the fact that history is once again repeating itself in a time where he's had basically two of the healthiest years of his career back-to-back. And he has a great team going into the playoffs and the worst part about it, I think, is that the Lakers look vulnerable. They don't exactly look like world beaters right now. Uh, LeBron kind of came to life a little bit in that second half, where if that continues and Anthony Davis stays healthy, they could get there. But the fact that they're vulnerable right now, when the Suns have a chance to really attack them and their best, possibly best player, uh, is just hobbled to the point that he is not a scoring threat in any way possible, it hurts. I'm not going to lie. I might need to make a super cut of all of the times this week on, on these episodes that we've said the Lakers look vulnerable. I think we've used that word about 50 times. Uh-huh. But it's really true. Yeah. And, yeah, man, it's it sucks. 
it, it really sucks. does. It's it's it sucks because I I do feel like we're opening this episode a little bit. We're talking about it like it's already over. It's not over. No. But but the momentum has flipped. We can just be honest about it. And well, it's uh, just and, it's just that Chris Paul didn't really look any better. I mean, right. that's the part I think that really sucks. There there are ways for the Suns to to attack this game and game plan going forward. Uh, but the fact that Chris, you know, we're just hoping for a, a Chris Paul that looks a little bit better. And at this point, I mean, I, I'll tip my hat. I, I talked about it on Twitter. At this point, I'm questioning whether he can be played at all. Like, right. Or yeah. he should just be off the court entirely. So let's talk about campaign. Yeah. That's your guy now. Yeah. It's kind of crazy that we're in that position where, where we're saying that, right? But campaign has strung two good games in a row together. Yeah. He's averaging 19 points, 7 assists per 36 minutes in these playoffs, about 12 points per game just with his normal averages, but he's only playing like 24 minutes a game. Uh, 55% true shooting, uh, you know, average efficiency, the three-game sample size, so don't read too much into any of this. I'm just, this is how he's playing so far. He's playing pretty well, shooting 46% from deep. Uh, that's your guy. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it's kind of crazy that we're in that situation now, but... Honestly, with with as well as Cam has played, and the difference between him and Chris Paul and how dynamic Cam looks, I mean, he's still that guy who can kind of score a little bit in the mid-range, but but more importantly, can score on pull-up threes. Chris Paul is not a spacing threat at all right now. And so if you just want to put campaign out there for 40 minutes in Game 4, that might honestly be the thing that gives you the best chance uh, of winning at this point. There were times in the game yesterday where I thought Langston Galloway would have been better uh, than Chris Paul. Now, obviously, Langston Galloway is a massive target defensively, but the offense was so bogged down for the Suns that it just felt as if they needed some sort of relief valve that allowed the Suns to sort of get some offense going. Yeah. Yeah. It's difficult. Like I, I mean, I, I posted about it online. I posted a picture. I highly suggest looking at this because it's it's a perfect encapsulation of what the Lakers are doing defensively. There was a time where Devin Booker had the ball at the top of the key, and he was he was staring down the barrel of Anthony Davis, KCP, and Dennis Schroeder all walled up at the three point line uh, for Devin Booker, which meant no penetration was possible. And the reason they were capable of doing that was Jay Crowder was on the left wing, not hitting anything. <laughs> And Chris Paul was in the right corner. Chris Paul, they are just completely content allowing him to touch the ball at the three-point line. He has not yet even taken a three-pointer since yeah, his he, shoulder he's was a, hurt. He's afraid to take a three. He's made a couple of mid-range shots, but even those don't look the same. The way an uh, uh, analyst I like a lot from the dunker spot, Steve Jones, put it, um, Steve Jones Jr., uh, it, it felt like the shots CP was taking yesterday were like a quarterback keeping the defense honest with some passes yeah but you know it, it was kind of like he was just throwing it out there because he felt like he had to not because he thought he was actually going to make the shot mm-hmm. <laughs> and then he happened to make a couple of the shots but he did not look good in any sense of the word you mentioned Langston Galloway I was surprised like I thought at a certain point I was like man it, let's go back to bubble basketball you know when like campaign and Javon Carter was a successful lineup let's try that like mm-hmm. let's try anything yeah. I think the most frustrating thing about losing Chris Paul at such a critical moment like this is because you've had him for all but two or three games this year I think it was like 
that's your entire offensive identity. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, we talk about the bubble. I don't want to overrate the impact of the bubble because at, at the end of the day, it was eight regular season games. It was a great run. But if we look at what the Suns, like what made them successful in the bubble, they entirely went away from all of that stuff because of a player like Chris Paul who was able to just lift everyone around him. Now that Chris Paul is out of the equation, they got to find a way to get back to some of those principles. Yeah. Playing with pace, like playing with literal, not even playing with pace in the way that Monty talks about it as like a half court decision making team. Like literally, literally run the ball, get some transition offense. If you can't get anything else, like you were in the bubble, literally find ways for Booker to be that heliocentric kind of presence, get him some post-up touches. There's a bunch of things they could do, but like they got to try something, you know, because this half court, like 85, 90 possessions for an entire game uh, type of offense is not working for them uh, without Chris Paul. It's just not. No. Uh, it, 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 and it can't really. I mean, when you're staring down three guys at the three point line, they're not even walling up near the rim. Like when you guard LeBron James, you wall up near the rim. With Devin Booker, they're not allowing him to dribble beyond the three-point line at all. Like, he can't penetrate at all, which makes sense. He's a threat as soon as he gets underneath that three-point line and and somewhat of a threat behind it. Uh, But they're not letting him penetrate, and that's... If Devin Booker can't be Devin Booker, the Suns cannot win. So there are ways to find ways to do that. I think, first of all, I don't fault Monty Williams for starting Chris Paul in in this game, specifically in Game 3, because I think... For one, he's Chris Paul. You have to give him the opportunity to see if he can find ways to be effective even while he's injured. And I think now that you have seen that, that the Lakers are just going to ignore him entirely, there are still ways that you can play him. But you have to maximize Devin Booker's time with Cameron Payne on the floor because the most effective uh, that Cameron Payne, the most effective ways for Devin Booker to score is to have another scoring threat on the floor because then they cannot focus the entirety of the defense on him and and with Cameron Payne on the floor they can't leave him he's gonna hit he's gonna hit that open three he's able to penetrate and attack if they close out hard so you have to maximize that um that's first thing you have to do now I would even say to start Cameron Payne are you are you there now where you would say to start Cameron Payne or do you think that there is uh there's (laughs) I was there I was there eight weeks ago at the end of the regular season when I wanted them to rest Chris Paul, I was saying start campaign back then. No, I mean, I'm, I'm there yeah. in this series. Like you got to do it. And, and it, you know what? It's funny. Cause like there are some adjustments I would say you have to do. Chris Paul is giving you nothing. It is clear that his health is just a major hindrance. Jay Crowder is a more interesting discussion. Cause I I'm seeing a lot of people saying pull Crowder out of the starting lineup. But yeah. you know what? I feel like that's different. I I, 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 I feel like I, that's I different. That. And I mean, there there's nothing mechanically wrong with Jay Crowder that should allow him to shoot two for twenty from deep. Yeah, it is just the worst possible timing for him to have that sort of shooting stretch. And I'm not sure. I mean, I'm just curious to to get your thoughts on this. I'm not sure that that's the right situation to make a panic adjustment for Game Four. No, I I completely understand that because I think you're right that. It, there's a possibility that in game four, uh, Jay Crowder hits his first four threes. He's just that kind of player that just can explode and go cold at times. And it's and like, just you know, with that right now, but at some, at some point, don't you, don't you have to realize if he's going through a cold, there's not going to be like, you can't no, play for game six. You can't even play I for know. game seven. At this point, you're playing for this specific game. So I think there is an argument that can say, 
that maybe Cameron Johnson should pl- play those starter minutes. And t- to be honest, if you're if you're talking about eliminating Dario Saric minutes entirely, which they experimented with Frank Kaminsky in this game, it went okay. It wasn't awful, but it was not good either. Uh, which is it similar was, to it the was Dario not, Saric minutes, but Dario Saric minutes were arguably worse. Can uh, yeah, but, okay. It was not good. It was not good. However, like it's so far down the list of things that went wrong last night, you know, so far down. Like well, he, we survived, he, we survived the Frank Kaminsky minutes, kind of, and that was enough for me last night. In the grand scheme of everything else that happened last night, that's kind of the least of my concerns. Here's why I think you can get away with potentially putting Jay Crowder on the bench because what the Lakers were doing, and this is assuming they stick to the rotations that they were, and to be honest, they have no reason not to do this. If you have Jay Crowder on the bench, the idea of a front court of Cameron Johnson and Torrey Craig is a little bit scary to me. The idea of a front court coming off the bench of Torrey Craig and Jay Crowder instead of potentially Dario Saric or Frank Kaminsky is just a little more palatable to me because what the Lakers were doing is they actually were taking LeBron out relatively early and allowing Anthony Davis to play extended minutes and then bringing LeBron in to play against the, the Suns bench with some of the Lakers bench players. And now LeBron obviously is going to try to beat up on the Suns bench as much as possible. If you have Dario Saric in, if you have Frank Kaminsky in, that's going to be tough. Frank Kaminsky was getting beat on pick and rolls where LeBron was just picking it apart with his passing. Dario Saric is going to get buried underneath the rim with LeBron James playing the way he is. If you have some sort of version of Jay Crowder and Torrey Craig on that, maybe you get killed by offensive rebounds. Now, it's very possible. And at that point, you can adjust and maybe play Frank Kaminsky if you absolutely have to or Dario Saric if you absolutely have to. But the idea of a fully switchable uh, defensive scheme with those two guys playing and, and one of them guarding LeBron, the other one attacking the basket on, on rebounds as much as possible. Obviously, gang rebounding is important. Maybe you have Cam Johnson in still too. I, I just like that a little bit more. Now, you you can say that Cameron Johnson can still come off the bench. I'm still okay with that. I think the bigger adjustment would be Cameron Payne. I well, just think interestingly, that there, is, inter- there is a utility to Cameron Johnson in that starting lineup too. It, it, just interestingly, you were talking about Torrey Gregg, but like when people talk about swap Jay Crowder out of the starting lineup, they're usually pointing at Cam Johnson. Um, is the is the guy I think? Um, yeah, which yeah. is like you know exactly that's who I would Cam. Say too. So, but okay, so you haven't given me an answer though. You want to do that or you don't want to do that? I would do it. I, well, you would do I mean, it for the next game. Okay, I would do. It for I, the I just next want. Game. I just want some commitment. Yeah. No, I would do it for the next game, and I think Monty Williams has to consider it. Now, like I said, the priority for me would be Cameron Payne starting with Devin Booker to try and maximize those minutes. Right. And I okay. think even in that in that case, and look, I'm not sure if Chris Paul would be okay with this, and you have to make sure that he is okay with it. I, I, I understand that people are, are maybe not going to agree with that, but Chris Paul being on this team for the future is important for this team to be good. So you have to make sure he's okay with this. But I think... With Chris Paul, there's a weird element where right now, as hobbled as he is, he's still more effective with the ball in his hands than off the ball because you have to guard him when the ball's in his hands and he can still make proper decisions with the ball. Now, maybe maybe not. Maybe it still becomes just as bad, but I think there's a way that you could bring him in off the bench and see if that works a little bit without Devin Booker on the floor when Devin Booker comes out, uh, then not do that. Um so yeah, like Cameron Payne priority number two. I would say putting Cameron Johnson in the starting lineup is something that I would personally do because I think that he has done a relatively good job defensively. LeBron James comes out pretty early in those minutes. So yes, you spend some time with him, maybe on LeBron, maybe him on AD for some possessions. 
and then LeBron comes out anyway, and then you have an extended run with Cameron Johnson on the floor. When LeBron comes back in, you could have one of Torrey Craig or Jay Crowder on him when he comes in versus the bench. So that that's how I'm looking at it. What do you think? I don't, I don't have the stats on hands, but I do think Cam is is a better transition player by a good amount than Jay too. I don't. It's it's just tough because the Suns need to take. They kind of need to scrap their entire offensive identity for Game Four. That's the level of desperation that we've gotten to. Um, theoretically, if you're going to space them out, pick up the pace, and just chuck up a lot of threes, which is kind of what they're going to need to to win, then yeah, Cam works. Cam works, and and you just kind of ride them each for 36 minutes to 40 minutes, and hope you don't give up too much on the other end. Yeah. It's just crazy that, that that this is what we have arrived to. It's also crazy that in in just pure ironic misfortune, the guys that the Suns added, who were supposed to be so successful for us in the playoffs and were supposed to take us up another level, w- w- Chris Paul and Jay Crowder. And Chris Paul, I don't hold it against him that he got hurt. Jay Crowder, it's just weird. It's just weird. No, I, I think that Jay Crowder, if you just take out the shooting entirely has played well like he's yes. shooting he's shooting when he has to i think the ball winds up in his hands when the shot clock's running down a little too much and like that tends to like inflate how bad the shooting God, numbers look there was that there was that one possession last night and and there were a million of these types of possessions but one possession in particular where the lakers broke down like several actions in a row and like three seconds left on the shot clock devin booker's at the top of the key he does like a handoff to jay crowder who's like 30 feet out and like, you know, it felt like a lot of that throughout the game. Like the Suns were down 10 and it was just like, just give me a good offensive possession. We can get back in this game. And, and, and that's what they were going to instead. Yeah. I guess I guess you got to give a lot of credit to the Lakers. Yeah, they have a very good game plan uh, against the Suns. And, and look, it's easy. <laughs> I said it before. It's easy to game plan against the Suns when Chris Paul can't score. It really is. You, you just you stop everything that Devin Booker's doing and then. They, what they've done really well, I think, is they sort of zone out on the corners. So they, they stay in the passing lane on the corners, essentially, to try and stop any corner threes from happening. You saw at the start right. of the game, there were multiple possessions of Mikhail just sort of flaring out to the top of the key and, and getting open shots at the top of the key because that's an easier pass for the guards to make. When they zone in the, in the corners, they stop any of those passes from coming to the corners and then mm-hmm. focus the defense on Devin Booker what you're doing is you're forcing guys to create from the top of the key who are not good at creating from the top of the key. Exactly. And 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 just looking at the tendencies in the shot chart, like the Lakers are looking at the shot charts when they do that. They know a guy like Jay Crowder in one corner, a guy like Mikhail Bridges in the other corner. Those guys are 40, 45% corner three-point shooters. If you can get them to where they have to flare out to the top of the key, there may be only 33, 35% out there. Yeah. It's not as much their shot. Yeah. So it's, it's look, it's, it's great... We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Um, planning by them. You know, I would say it's <laughs> it's maybe looking like my Clippers aren't going to make it to the second round. But I was going to say I would be interested to see a theoretical matchup between these two teams, the Lakers and Clippers. Obviously, I hope the Suns win, but just like theoretically, um, because the Clippers are like one of the best corner three-point shooting teams, both in frequency and uh, efficiency this year of all time. It would be really interesting to see kind of how they how they game plan against a team like that as well. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff. And it affects everything. Which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed. Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Yeah, I mean, look, it would be harder for them to game plan like this with multiple shot creators who can create for themselves and for others. Chris Paul makes it harder for them to do that because then they have to help off the corner when Chris Paul comes around a screen and is able to kill them from mid-range, especially when they're walled up against Devin Booker on the opposite end. Like, it, <laughs> this game plan works because Chris Paul is not Chris Paul. Like, that that's why it works. And look, it's and I'm still giving the Lakers credit I still think they're doing a really good job of administering this game plan. But the fact that they're essentially saying, we're going to stop your corner three-point shooters. We're going to stop your wings. We're going to force you to shoot shots from the top of the key as much as possible. Another place where Devin Booker is not really great at shooting from the three-point line, and none of the wings are capable of that. We're going to wall up on pick and rolls to make sure that you can't get mid-range shots off. And that's going to leave DeAndre Ayton open at the rim, and we're okay with that. That's essentially what they're conceding because you have to concede something in the playoffs. Teams are too good to not give them something. That's a fascinating game plan, and it's going to work unless the Suns can find ways to get other people scoring. And I think Cameron Payne, it, a lot of pressure comes on Cameron Payne to do this. But I think with the, if they continue to defend Devin Booker the way they are, Cameron Payne's going to find himself open and getting to the rim a lot. And if they start coming off the three-point shooters from the corners and they start hitting threes, they have to change their defensive game plan. And that will open up Devin Booker a little bit more. That's why Cameron Payne is, is a key right now. Cam Payne's agent is enjoying this series very much. Yeah. As a guy who's an unrestricted free agent, I'll tell you, someone who's not enjoying this series as much is Mikhail Bridges' agent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, DeAndre Ayton's um, agent's probably enjoying it too, which is, I think, an interesting speaking conversation. Speaking of which, well, it's, I am okay with having the conversation uh in certain ways can i just say how down bad are we as a as a fan base now where it's like you go online and 
Suns fans are like pitting Mikhail Bridges and DeAndre Ayton against each other. Like I saw that today for the first time and I was like, yeah, we're down bad. Like, well, I, like we shouldn't be doing that. Well, we should not be doing that. It's I'll, not relevant. I'll tell you what I do. Um, the Suns lost. I tweeted out some instant analysis and then I just stopped going on Twitter. Uh, and I think yeah, well, I yeah, going good, on Reddit and that's what people you. should, that's what people should do <laughs> because people don't act rationally after stuff like this, especially when, uh, Lakers fans, uh, coming from a position of confidence are acting as cocky as probably we would if the Suns won. Uh, so that is what it is and you can't react appropriately to that. But I think it's not important. just, yeah, keep going. Sorry. I just think it's important when you're talking about, <laughs> okay, I don't like the analysis <laughs> where people say so-and-so needs to play better. So-and-so needs to play better without any context at all. I think that's bad. You mean what I do with Devin Booker? Uh, Yes. (laughs) I don't like that kind of analysis. But, 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 okay. All right. Let let me finish though. I think I contextualize, but you do, you do a great job of that. And we have a whole podcast where we talk about that. So I'm not attacking you personally. Uh, But what I think needs to happen is the context matters for both players playing well and players playing uh, worse because what like Devin Booker in this game specifically the reason he wasn't able to score like he was in game one and game two was because of the game plan they had against him the reason the wings are struggling to score uh, in this series is because they're not getting as open shots because of the way that the Lakers are defending them the reason DeAndre Ayton is capable of scoring so efficiently at the rim is because the the Lakers are allowing him to score efficiently at the rim by ensuring that the guards and the wings don't score because they understand that, yes, they're going to concede that, but this, the Lakers could win if they concede that, and they won two in a row by conceding that. So it's a great right. game plan. The context matters for all of these players and how they're Look, playing. Look, the, the context always matters. I, I just think it's a little bit overboard to say, like, the reason why these things are happening is because of game plan. Game plan is... Probably more than, I mean, game plan is at least half of the equation, we can say that, but so is execution. That's the other half. And I think there is a real case to be made when you look at the individual cases of each of these guys. Again, I'm not going to compare Aiton and Bridges long term. I'm not interested in having that conversation. What I can just say about each of those guys individually, Aiton, the game plan has been for him to score those easy layups and dunks. The execution on his part has been as good as it possibly could be, though. Like, I think Aiton, if there's anything to praise Aiton for, I don't think we've seen a different DeAndre Aiton this series. I think we're just seeing a guy who's been asked to play a certain role, but he's playing that role to perfection. I think his hands have been really good. Um, he, he's caught everything that the Suns have needed him to catch, and that's not something that's that hasn't always been a given for DeAndre Aiton. So I think there are certain things to praise about his execution. Whereas with Mikhail, yeah, 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 yeah. Caveat offensively. I'm talking offense right now. But it's important that both of these guys contribute on offense. So the reason I want to contrast it to McHale real quick is because the game plan is stop McHale, don't let him shoot threes. The execution has been he's had a couple of times where he's been able to attack those closeouts, try to get to his spots like he yes. has in, in the regular season. And the execution isn't there. He misses those shots or he has openings that he just doesn't take entirely. So there is a give and take with it. Partially, I agree with you, it's game plan. But we need to talk about execution too. And, and the reason execution is so important is because I really hope Game 3 lit a fire under those guys. That's the bottom line. Mm-hmm. Like, I think Scott Howard put it best, uh, our, our friend on Twitter. He said, the Lakers bench looks like they're the crowd for a 2002 and one mixtape game. <laughs> like, those possessions down the stretch where you had LeBron, like, th- they were so clearly in the Suns' heads. 
And you had LeBron like posting up Jay Crowder, just like cheesing as he does it late in the game, like toying like a cat with a mouse while you've got Andre Drummond mimicking his moves on the sideline and the entire Lakers bench going crazy. They had no respect for the Suns down the stretch in that game. Yeah. The Suns need to answer with a certain level of fire. And, and and that's really where it comes down to, like, yes, there are tweaks it can make with their game plan, but just their execution. Everyone needs to, to really look like they want it in game four. For whatever reason, that wasn't the case in game three. Yeah, and they and they were very flustered by the the way that they were playing defense. I mean, that that's the context I think that matters a lot. And execution is part of that context as well. Uh, but I think that... Uh, in specifically Devin Booker's case, he was kind of being left out to, to dry a little bit there when Chris Paul was in. There was just nothing you could do in those minutes in order to get him going. He had to give up the ball, and when players were not executing outside of that, that means that they didn't have to change their game plan in any way as far as how they were defending him. And that's, I think, where Monty Williams is on the hook to make adjustment adjustments going forward. Once again, I don't fault him for this specific game because I think you have to see what happens with Chris Paul after a few days of rest. But look, if he's not going to look the same, if he's going to look the same, if he's not going to look any better, you have to adjust at this point. And, and that's the only way to get them going. It's just that context matters a lot. And I think for DeAndre Ayton, look, he has to, look, he's been very, very good on offense. And I think he's been very good in most of these games in general. But the help defense was off in this game. It, it was just off. And the pick and roll defense was off too. And LeBron is very, very good at this. So I'm not saying that it's something that's easy to do, but there are guys that have to get better at certain things in order for the Suns to be better, and that's one of the things that DeAndre Ayton has to be better at. The Suns cannot win without help defense when it's guys like Anthony Davis and LeBron James driving in, and that a lot of that falls on DeAndre Ayton. We saw, we saw Mikael Bridges yelling at him. We saw Chris Paul yelling at him at this game, and that's because that help defense was off. So while I will he's going to be um, great offensively and he needs to continue to be great there's a lot of pressure on all these guys there's pressure on Devin I, Booker Cameron Payne DeAndre yeah. Ayton all of them I just I, I want to say like team defense if we're talking about it was off across the board last night too yeah. Um, yeah. like if we talk about LeBron LeBron started driving finally in the second half it was the first time we saw him do it all all series Right. So I, but I don't even know if he necessarily turned a switch. Like his scoring still wasn't that intimidating, nor was it that impressive. What he was masterful about last night, though, remember when we made that video early in the season where we talked about Devin Booker fooling defenses with just his eyes mm -hmm. and it, like how he had ascended to a new level as a manipulator in the pick and roll? That was LeBron last night. LeBron was as good as you can possibly get with his, his passes were on point consistently. He's the best. He's one of the best at it ever. What was depressing about it, though, is that the Suns have, have typically this season been a very good team about their off-ball movement for cuts on offense and, and generally pretty good at shutting down the other side. And it was totally inverse last night. I saw Campaign make mistakes where he lost his guy yeah. for a second or two, and then, bam, there's a backdoor cut. Caruso, I saw Jay yeah. Crowder. I saw Jay Crowder make those mistakes. Jay Crowder is not a guy who makes very many of those mistakes. Mm -hmm. Lost focus. Anthony Davis cuts, dives to the rim. He's got a pass from LeBron. And it's like we talked at the beginning of the series about the processing speed of LeBron James. Even if he doesn't trust his ankle, even mm -hmm. if he has to turn into a jump shooter for most of this series, right. unless his back is really against the wall, if you give them that space to cut, they're not even a particularly good team at this throughout the year, but they seem to be making the right adjustments here. And if you give them that, they will take it. 
And that was ve- that was another very frustrating aspect of watching the Suns try to play defense last night. When we talked about the previous game, when we talked about potential adjustments, we talked about the idea of not fouling. And I think, by the way, Suns fans that were complaining about the refs in this game, I didn't actually see it, but I saw people complaining about people complaining. So for whatever <laughs> reason, I don't follow a lot of people, so I'm not as plugged in. I think this was the best ref game so far. There were problems, and that was a cheap foul by Devin Booker at the end of the game. He was clearly frustrated, and you can't let Dennis Schroeder get in your head of all players, and he should have been ejected for that. So it is what it is. Maybe, yes, maybe Anthony Davis should have been ejected before, but we know that's not going to happen at the beginning of the game. If Devin Booker did this at the beginning of the last game, I bet he wouldn't have been ejected either. I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that it was the end of the game. That's how refing works. But when we talked about not fouling, uh, we talked about what that could be, and and what the Suns did in this game is they were funneling ball handlers into the paint, icing often if pick and rolls were happening on the left and the right wings. If they were the top of the key, they were funneling it into the paint, and that means help defense is really important. And the reason they were funneling it is because if they tried to stay in front, they were getting those foul calls in the last game. So when you're funneling defense, when you're funneling offensive players into the paint, what you're hoping on is DeAndre Ayton being there for help defense. And not just Ayton, whoever else is playing that help defense role, it's commonly the wing guys as well. Usually not Mikel, because Mikel's usually on the ball. So Cameron Johnson, Jay Crowder are commonly in that roles. If Dario Saric plays, it'll be Saric. If Frank Kaminsky plays, it'll be Frank. Although Frank was often involved in on-ball actions and getting killed that way. But I think it's important for, if we're talking about execution, defensively, the funneling him, and it's it's why LeBron was better in the second half, by the way. They adjusted to the fact that the Suns were, to to an extent, allowing drives because they were hoping on that help defense, and LeBron was able to take advantage of that and use that processing speed to get there before the help defense was. That's the reason it worked. So I, I think this is a relatively good game plan, but they have to <laughs> execute it a lot better defensively in order to do that. that that's what I saw. This is a must win. Yeah, it really is. This I mean, is this is the must win now. You can't come it back sucks. to Phoenix 3-1. Three, three, Look, maybe you can get one at that point in Phoenix in game five. Uh, but yeah, you got to win. You got to win this one. That means you pull out all the stops. You really do. And I think even right, going let's extra a, small is something that you could try. As we wind down here, let's let's lock uh, lock in your prediction for a starting five. And give me a prediction for a how the game's going to go too. I think Jay Crowder finished that fourth quarter well enough to keep that, that starting spot. Look, I know okay, he was that's getting, interesting. I know he was getting beat on in the post a little bit with LeBron James, but I think as you noted, the Suns were all out of sorts in those, in those. Plays. Can I, can I give you a stat that I just looked up, which is mm-hmm. also depressing. Mm-hmm. Um, so Cam Johnson in 11 starts in the regular season had a 49% true shooting. That's really bad. Uh, 38% from the field and 29% from deep. So I just, I just don't think the precedent for success is there to, to make that substitution. Yeah. I, so I think, I think Jay's, I think that's my prediction. And yeah. honestly, if uh, honestly, I think Chris Paul's going to start again. Yeah. I think he might only play 10 minutes this time. He might only play 15. Like he might literally play the first five minutes of each half and then they pull him. Yeah. I don't know if I agree with it, but I think he's going to start. I think you're probably right. I think you're probably right that they stick with the same starters. And um, look, then another thing that the Suns need to do. I know we can we can stay on this forever. We should probably end this one soon. It's only two days before the next game. Uh, 
but Devin Booker needs to come around screens and catch the ball beneath the three-point line in order to be successful. The Lakers are very good at stopping that from happening. Right. Uh, and that means he ends up with the ball at the top of the key. They need to find ways to get him there. And, and that might mean Chris Paul off the floor because that third guy is what's going to make it hard to get that ball there. Um, but yeah, I, I think you're right. I think they're going to stick with the same starters and, and give it a try. And they might pull Chris Paul after two or three minutes and put Cameron Payne in because Chris Paul's not dumb. He's one of the smartest basketball players ever. He knows exactly how they're guarding him too. And he'd, I think he'd understand if they start that way that they're going to have to take him out, especially if he's on not healthy again. Yeah, I think he would too. I think Suns Twitter is going to freak out though if they see the starting lineup and it's exactly the same. There's going to be some takes before the game. But uh, I, I hope, I just hope if they start Chris Paul this time, it really is like a pretty strict minutes restriction, <laughs> 10 or 15 minutes. And mm-hmm. hey, let's see if we can get campaign going because he's going to be our guy. We started the episode saying that's the guy. It's crazy, but here we are. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be an interesting one. I mean, we could come, I, I hope we come back after a win because you coming back to Phoenix. Uh, I'm going to feel. Two, it's, 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 it's a series. It's an entirely different series because then you also buy some more time for Chris Paul. I mean, if you win on Sunday, you're talking about Chris Paul not having to play until Tuesday in heavy minutes. By then, he might be okay. I mean, it's it's it's. I don't think it's that serious of a shoulder issue. Uh, I'm no going to feel totally... I don't know. I mean, look, I can't speculate. I'm going to feel totally rejuvenated if they can pull off this win. It's just going to be so hard. If they have anything going for them, it would be that I hope they show that fight feeling the pressure a little bit after just having their asses handed to them in game three but maybe they come out and it looks like their spirit is broken again in which case i'm going to be really disappointed just have to wait and see last thing i'll say is if we sounded overly negative in this podcast for me at least it's the weight of chris paul's shoulder on my soul it is not because (laughs) the suns cannot win this next game the suns can win this next game it's a single game they have players to do it they have to execute uh, very well and they all have to play sort of out of their minds good in order to do it but it is not impossible what's that word about how the lakers look right now vulnerable that's it (laughs) we'll be back go ahead never mind (laughs) we'll be back (laughs) we'll be back after game five Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. 
Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.